Hi, and welcome to episode number six of Meet My Followers. I am your host, Kate Dworkin. Today's date is August 12, 2010, and my guest today is Ruth Carter at RB Carter. I have to thank this show's sponsor, 140, for making this all possible. Regardless of your platform, 140 has an app that they can recommend for you be it the iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, Windows Mobile, Nokia, or even HP's WebOS, 140 has apps that could fit any need that you have on those platforms. Head over to 140.com to find the perfect application for your mobile device. Every character counts. Do more with 140. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Ruth Carter. (laughs) Hi, Cade. Hi. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. You were one of those first people who jumped right up when I kind of tweeted out initially. I was like, would you be a guest? And you were like, yes, I'm in. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's you. You're awesome. This is fun. Well, I I appreciate you saying that. But uh, so why don't you give people a little background on on who you are? Because I don't want to screw it up because you know me. (laughs) Okay, uh, my background. So I'm a third year law student at ASU. And let's see, before that, I was a therapist here in the Valley doing mental health therapy with people. And yeah, when I didn't like that anymore, I had to get a new career. So I'm now in school. Gotcha. Well, uh, what, what was the reasoning to go back to school for law? Was there any big thought process behind that? <sighs> Kind of. Um, When you're a therapist, you get to work really closely with people, and I really, really enjoyed that. But the downside was I was trapped in my office all day, and I hated it. And when you're doing therapy with people, you're working on their problems, but as a therapist, you're just the sounding board, and you can make suggestions, but you can't actually make people do anything. And so that can be kind of frustrating. Um, and you kind of feel like your hands are tied. And so even if you have the answer, there's nothing you can do until the other person decides to, you know, actually take your suggestion and put it into action. So I wanted to make a career shift that would allow me to keep working with people um, and really cool problems, but have more of an active role in the problem solving process. Well, that's, that's actually really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard you verbalize that. Like, I mean, we've hung out a handful of times and it's very interesting to, uh, to finally hear you come out with it like that. Um, but I mean, let's, let's kind of give people some backstories on, on how we met. I mean, (laughs) uh, how, how exactly do you recall us meeting? (sighs) As far as I know, we met at Ignite Phoenix number five yeah. because we were both presenters. That's 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 right. Yeah, so we were both uh, up on stage at the, the Tempe Center of the Arts, giving uh, presentations. Mine was the Art of Misusing Things. Do you remember your title? Ah, uh, yes, I was Frosting the Law. Okay, that's right, because you were telling people how to uh, have uh, a little fun while uh, with doing pranks and, and public events, and and how not to get arrested, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's exactly it. Without giving any legal advice that's for any not, of the lawyers listening. That's right, yes. There were several, several disclaimers. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously, you know, I've, I've known you for this entire or a good portion of your law schoolness now. What are your plans after school? I mean, it sounds like you have some idea on the direction you want to go because you have some of, you know, you made, you made, you had the office life. 
right, previously, and now you yes. know that you want something a little different, it sounds like. Do you have an idea on what that is quite yet? I'm still kind of figuring it out. I've been really lucky in law school to be able to work in a lot of different environments, so I've been able to kind of eliminate what I don't want, and I'm kind of still trying to figure out what's left, um, but I think I want to get into intellectual property and internet law, um, and I'm thinking that probably right out of law school, I want to do either a small small to medium-sized firm, mm-hmm. um, but potentially um, going out on my own eventually, and um, my experiences with doing things like Ignite have really shown me that I like doing public speaking events. So wherever my career path takes me, um, I want to have some kind of public speaking component to it. That's, that's, actually, that's really interesting because, I, I mean, you and I are both members of the Phoenix Internet community, right? We've been running around with this, you know, growing group of people. Mm-hmm. I can't think of another attorney who specializes in just Internet and intellectual property, it's a hell of a yeah. niche. <laughs> you mean a niche? Yeah, take your pick, right? Depends on where <laughs> you're from. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, that's that's really really smart, and and I think that your involvement in things like, I mean, I don't know if you're involved in PIF directly or if you're just involved with, uh, and that's the Phoenix Innovation Foundation, or uh, you know, just involved in the the pranks that uh, Jeff Moriarty's just kind of always digging up. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it would be a very interesting resource for the Phoenix internet community to have. So I, I, I would encourage you to, you know, feel people out and see if you can't, uh, find enough clients to make that something to do right out of school. That idea has been suggested to me and that is something I'm keeping in the back of my mind, but there's a lot that goes into starting up a law firm besides just knowing the law. So I got to make sure I know what I'm doing before I take on some, some endeavor that's that big. Sure. I, but I'm not saying go out there and do it without the proper research. That's not what I'm recommending. Uh, when people always, you know, want to start a business, I always recommend that they, you know, do a lot of research because it is a metric butt ton of work. So <laughs> I actually was going through my blog roll earlier today and I did see a post from you regarding uh, your quarter. Do you care to give people some background on that? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I am a Libra. And for those of you who don't know what a Libra is, you know, that's the horoscope, um, where we have to balance everything out. And making decisions is really, really challenging sometimes to the point where it's almost painful. Um, and it could be big decisions or really, really small decisions like, you know, what kind of coffee do I want to order? And so what I started to do to, to help me handle these really arbitrary decisions was carry around a quarter. Uh, and I actually have it, a special like, zipper pouch in my purse for this quarter. And whenever I have one of these decisions, I, if I get stuck, I just take my quarter out, flip it, and whatever, you know, wherever it lands is what I do. That's that's really kind of fascinating. I mean, I I I've I've known people to like do that kind of from time to time, and I almost want to sit here and say, you know, you should be like framing that quarter as it makes like a massive decision in your life at some point. Like that just deserves to like have a place like dedicated for it because it's one of these decisions is going to be like mission critical for you, and you won't know it until after the fact. <laughs> That's not exactly what I was thinking when I started carrying around this quarter, but I mean, it wasn't meant to be making, you know, massive life changing decisions, but who knows? Life is funny like that. You never know. 
That is true. I never know. Stranger things have happened, but you know, it does help me pick. It did help me pick out what brand of contacts I was going to go with last week. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a big one. And I did see a tweet about new glasses. Did I not? Yes, you did. I'm actually, well, you don't have video on, but you can't see it. But yes, I have my new glasses, so I can actually see again. Gotcha. Okay. So one of the questions that I've actually really enjoyed asking as I've started to go through a handful of these interviews now is who are you following on Twitter that you love to see every one of their tweets? Oh, wow. Um, Well, there's a couple of people I I really love watching on Twitter. Um, See, one of my favorites is... um, our mutual friend, Evo Terra. I love what he puts out there. And what about um, him? What about him really like just makes you laugh or interests you? Evo makes me laugh, but Evo is also incredibly brilliant and incredibly smart. And so when he tweets something, it's usually, you know, meaningful and has something behind it. It's not just someone, you know, telling me the color of their socks or something that's, you know, not necessarily needs to be on Twitter, but gotcha. the, um, yeah, no, I really like him. I really like his humor. I like his personality. Um, and it's also incredibly funny when he leaves his work computer unlocked and Jeff Moriarty, um, invades it and tweets out funny stuff, um, in his name too. That is, that is something that, uh, yeah, it is always a little interesting to watch happen in real time <laughs> because you know it instantly when that tweet comes up that it's, it's not Evo. Like, no, and so no, no. you're waiting for like the next 90 seconds, just sitting there hitting refresh, praying that you see that response first and can get an <laughs> back at him. Uh, it's very funny. So anybody else that you're, like, super passionate about seeing their content? Um, there are a few more. A couple people on the legal side that I watch. Um, I watch The Lawyerist, which is a blog out of Minnesota. And I also watch my good friend in Missouri, Eric Elmayer. Um, He's just starting his own criminal defense law firm out there. And he has been putting out some really, really cool b- blogs about um, why he does criminal defense work and his view on the legal world in general. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, it's once again, you know, it's kind of become a theme, right, with, with folks is that there's, you know, they, they just, I have not prompted a lot of these people to recommend that, you know, hey, think of three people who you kind of, you know, are talking about. But it's always seeming to be like two people who are in their, like, professional space who really catch their attention and one person who's just, like, funzy and, like, just interesting and, and someone who is a thought leader in a different space. So it's, it's very interesting to see, like, that's a repeating theme. I wonder if it'll continue as I record some more of these. But getting back to you, Ruth, I, I mean, it's one of these – I struggle at times to understand how someone like you from a legal side sees things like blogging and sees all these oversharing situations where, you know, kids and all this and that are putting out way too much content about themselves. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely agree with you that there are a lot of people putting out um, information that they shouldn't be. And my personal rule when it comes to blogging and Facebook and Twitter and all that is I don't put anything out there that I wouldn't put on the front page of the paper. Okay. And why would you stop there? Why would I stop? Because you never know where what you say is going to end up. And there are certain conversations that really should remain private. And so for me, I know that if I will, anything that I put out there, if I put on the front page of the paper, I never have to backtrack and try to explain myself. Okay. And, and 
how how about situations like the Twitter overheard where context is completely stripped away? Is that something that you worry about? Not really, because half the time with overheards, they don't sort, they don't cite the source. Okay. Um, and in general, um, if it's if it's anything that happens in public, we have no entitlement to privacy anyway. So. Um, if I'm going to say it or do it in public, yeah, I'm ready to have it, you know, shared against me, even if I wouldn't blast it to the whole world myself. Sure. I mean, well, that, that, that's very interesting because I, I think of some of the things that, that, uh, you and, and, and Jeff and the rest of the internet community have done things like, you know, no pants AZ comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, can, does that ever get in the planning stages for you guys, because I know you're involved in the planning on most of these things, mm-hmm. does, do they get too close to that red line? And do you have to kind of say, no, you can't really go this far? Um, yes, that, that is something that definitely comes up um, with Improv AZ when we think about what we want to do. Um, kind of one of my jobs you know, that I took on myself is thinking about, okay, what do we want to do and how many different ways might we get arrested if we do it. Okay, and, and just give some background on Improv AZ for those folks who don't happen to live here in the Valley. Okay, uh, Improv AZ is a group out of the Phoenix area that um, plans and puts on a variety of pranks, flash mobs, and performances in the Phoenix area. So the one that I think we get a lot of and we get a lot of attention for is the annual No Pants Ride. Um, which we do on the light rail, which is done in conjunction with Improv Everywhere in New York and a bunch of other groups all over the world. Um, but we've also done smaller pranks that have just been just us that we've come up with, planned, and implemented. Yeah, I mean, one of my personal favorites was the gigantic pillow fight in uh, the Tempe Marketplace. I did not take part, but there were some amazing videos that came out of that. Yes, there was really good video that came out of that, and there was a lot of a lot of thought that went into that one in terms of, you know, what are we doing and how many ways could this go wrong? Because I actually ended up doing um, an independent study on the legal implications of organizing flash mobs and pranks. And <laughs> is that posted somewhere on the internet? Please tell me it is. Um, I, I it's not as far as I know, it's not posted. I did it actually for a class, an okay. independent. Two credit class at Arizona State University on the, I think it was a 38-page legal paper on the legal implications of organizing, of being an organizer of these types of events. And I actually looked closely at um, the pillow fights that happened all over the U.S. um, where we had people being arrested. Um, Yeah, we had two arrests. One was disorderly conduct where charges were dropped, and one was for, probably, I'm going to guess, assault, where... Uh, one of the participants chose to strike a police officer with her pillow. Uh, not the smartest thing to do. No, I would, I would think not. <laughs> no, that wasn't a good idea. Uh, but then there also was a situation, I want to say in Detroit, where the police caught window of uh, when and where the pillow fight was going to be taking place, and they stopped people before it happened and confiscated their pillows before anybody took a swing at anybody. And so I wondered, you know, can can they do that? Yeah, that's that's very interesting because uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not a legal person. I've worked in legal staffs before, but uh, you know, to me that that seems like a pretty interesting um, violation of the Fourth Amendment in my eyes. But I'm you know 
just the outsider who has no legal real knowledge. But yeah, that, that 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 I could see be very interesting to have someone like you around for things like Improv AZ and all the other events that that you know people I'm sure are bringing you into. Um, so I, are there people? Are, are there other people out in the, the different communities? And I, I'm sure New York and, and and San Fran definitely have them, but who kind of serve in a similar function as you do for our little group here? You know, from what I can tell, a lot of a lot of these organizations don't. Um, wow. yeah, that was, that was very surprising is that, you know, they really don't. And a lot of these groups, if something ever did go bad, um, they could really be held liable for a lot of problems, but yeah, you got, uh, I guess, yeah. I, I guess, you know, all the more reason to be thankful to be here in the Valley of the Sun where, uh, you know, we've got people like you at least possibly trying to avoid us from, you know, getting in massive trouble with the law. That is the goal. That is the goal. Well, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to title the show with uh, your Twitter name, which is RB Carter. I'm sure you're welcome to having anyone who might want to pick your brain or just follow you up and comment on the show to contact you through that. Absolutely. And also I am going to be on the panel at Social Media Club uh, this week here in Phoenix with a couple of actual attorneys. Uh, talking about the legal implications of social media. Awesome. Well, I actually intend to uh, release this episode on Thursday, so it'll be released the day of of Social Media Club, so we'll make life easy on that. Uh, yes, and uh, so, you know, Ruth, thank you again for making the time and, and jumping up and down and, and being a really interesting interview because it, you just have such a different perspective, and that's always one of the reasons why I enjoy when I get to see you. Oh, well, thanks for having me on the show. I, I'm really happy I got to be part of this adventure for you. Great. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate your time. And uh, go out there and have a great day.